Hey team, it's Matt Rinkine here. And you might have heard, my brand new book releases on Amazon on March 8th. It's been a labor of love that I think can really help you navigate some of the challenges you're experiencing in your own life. I go over toxic positivity and how to think you're in it for everyone else. In reality, you're in it for yourself. And I express that through this entire book and help learn from our own mistakes and how to turn the lens on ourselves and ask good questions. So go to Amazon on March 8th and you can get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late. And you can download it directly to your device. That's it for me. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome yet again to the Eternal Optimist podcast. My name is Matt Drinkon, and I'm an Eternal Optimist, and this is the show to help you get your life on track where you want to go. If you have noise and stuff that's cluttering in there, listen to this show. Hear inspirational stories from other people who had their stuff too, and how they've overcome it, and what they're doing in the world now. And I promise you, my friends, there is hope, and you can do it too. Learn here with us together in the Eternal Optimist podcast community. Before we get started today, I want to encourage you to check us out on social media and connect with us on Instagram at Eternal Optimist Podcast and find me on Facebook at Eternal Optimist Podcast page. Now, before we dive in today, I just have to set this up. This conversation today, it is a special one. And I got to tell you, the man that I'm interviewing today, Preston Weeks, has had an impact on my life instantaneously from the moment that we met through text. His energy, his love for humanity, it flows out there openly in the world. It was very, very challenging for me to accept that there's someone this much love and this much offense to play for humanity. I don't know, they're they're so few and far between. Preston is an amazing human being. Uh, A couple things about him. I mean, do I need to say much? He took a business from his first $1,600 investment to over $63 million in annual revenue, all at a very young age. He is a thriving entrepreneur. He has bought and sold, started and failed, started and had massive success in a number of businesses. And he's going to chronicle that story for us today. He's going to share his experience. Uh, well, before I even go any further, I just shared that he jumps off the page at me when I saw him on Zoom for the first time. He had a giant smiley face on his t-shirt when we were speaking. His office around him has all types of artifacts that show positive energy. Preston's just absolutely amazing. And he's an expert, an expert in EQ, which is the emotional intelligence quotient, not just IQ. He's amazing. He's written several books. He's read books. Uh, He shares his books with us today, pardon me. Uh, He's an amazing human being who is in there for philanthropy as well. The SaveLivesProject.com is a place that he does philanthropy. He is a fearless heart leader. He's someone that we will learn a whole lot from, a whole lot. Check him out online. He's easy to find. He's influential. He's someone that is absolutely a must-have in your life. Today, our conversation goes everywhere from AI to starting businesses to having to let go of employees when your business started to fail to the learning lessons that he's had to everything here and there and all around. This is an amazing conversation. Buckle up. There are nuggets of wisdom sprinkled everywhere. Welcome to my new friend, Mr. Preston Weeks. Enjoy, friends. 
Hello, and welcome to the Eternal Optimist Podcast, the show for optimists by optimists. This is the show for people who see the good in the world and want to make a positive difference in the lives of their families and communities. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories that will get you thinking bigger and playing more offense in life. With your host and high-performance coach, Matt Drinkon. Mr. Preston Weeks. Hello, hello. Oh, dude, I love your shirt. You've heard that today already, I bet, haven't you? <laughs> no, not yet today. Well, if you're not first, you're last. So boom, I'm winning already. So thank you. Yeah, I love your shirt, man. I've always loved your energy, though. From the first moment I laid eyes on you, I just love the energy. Thank you. We're like-minded brothers that way, for sure. Can you hear me okay? I hear you fine. Tell me about this. Your microphone has some words on it. It has peace, joy, happiness, success. What, what is that? <laughs> so I can't be a hypocrite, right? So I practice positive affirmations. And so I had to teach my microphone what it's supposed to create in the world. So it says things like health, love, wealth, abundance, peace, joy, happiness, success, family, fun, strength, all those kinds of things that my microphone is supposed to do in the world. I love that. And I'm glad that I have this recording because sometimes in doing podcasting, you'll turn the microphone on after some great nugget of wisdom has been dropped or a funny story. And then we're going to turn it off at the end. And once the second we turn it off, guaranteed, there's going to be an amazing story that happens. So I have to keep it on most of the time. Thank you for sharing that. That's super cool. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. You have a lot of amazing stuff around you right now in your office that really just gets me fired up. Can you tell us some of the things we see around you right now, Preston, are kind of inspiring? Why Pura Vida? Why the globe? I mean, give us a little walkthrough, please. We went to Costa Rica. This is the slogan of the country for Costa Rica, which is incredible that a whole country has a slogan that translates as pure life. So if you know Pura Vida, and they say it as kind of like the aloha of Costa Rica. And as they say, it's hello, goodbye. And I went there, I didn't realize that. And I learned that a couple days into it. And then we embraced it so much that now it's actually my email sign-off instead of saying thank you, I say Pura Vida. Because it's a cool idea, you know, for saying goodbye to people because it's embodiment of pure life and love and all these different things that it means for them. So that's why... I got it. And it's a license plate, too, because I am a major, major car nut. Oh, yeah. You told me that before. So how did you become a major car nut, Preston? Well, yeah. So well, ever since I was two, I used to ride around on the bump. I call it the bump. It was an armrest in my dad's big Cadillac. And sit when kids didn't have to ride in car seats, and we just flew around in cars. <laughs> and I would have contests, and he'd see who could name the oncoming cars faster. And as a two-year-old, I could beat all of his friends. I loved cars ever since I was a baby. I played with cars under his architectural table. He was a drafting architect, a drafting table old school before the computers. And I loved cars my whole life and played with them. And then by the time I got to college, I was trying to pay for school. And so I bought one $1,600 car and sold it to try to pay for my classes. And I got 10 minutes out of the auction, it overheated. 
I didn't have enough money to tow the car home. It took me five hours to get home because I didn't want to lose my profit margins because I could drive for five minutes and overheat. I wait for an hour for it to cool down and then I get going again. But I kept reinvesting in myself. And so then I got I went from one to two cars, then from two cars to 10 cars, and then I got a car dealership, and then two car dealerships, and then multiple companies, and then it just kept growing. I ended up owning and co-owning 15 car dealerships. By the time I graduated college, I couldn't get a job that paid me more. So I just stuck in the car business and you know, kept doing it. Wow. What a fascinating story. So it started uh, by naming the cars and beating your dad and his friends when you were two and naming the cars. And then it eventually one car and then two and then car dealerships and just, wow, what a cool story. Do you still own car dealerships today? Is that part of your business now? I sold my last car dealership in 2020. I started exiting the car business in 2016. I'm not in the car business anymore, but it'll always have a space in my heart. Yeah, I've gone on to other things. I got pulled out and recruited into a renewable energy company, actually, which was a whole another adventure. So how do you go from cars to renewable energy? What's that story going into renewable energy? I had a company, one of my car dealerships, they're all demographically targeted car dealerships. One of them was called CarFinder. And I, I found cars for clients, most of them are high-end clients. And one of my clients was a guy named Mark Victor Hansen. He was a client since 2010. I bought all of his cars. For him and these people would call me and say, Hey, press, I need a car. Figure out what they want. There's a trust thing. And I'd say it's going to be about 80 grand. They wire me 80 grand and I'd go find their car. So I was selling cars I didn't own, which blew people's mind. I had a high trust relationship. I built these high value relationships because I didn't lie, which is rare in the car business. I performed. I took care of my people. Mark is a client. 2016 comes and he says, Press, I've seen what you've done in the car business. I want to start a startup a renewable energy company, and I want to bring you on as the chief operating officer for this company. Mm. And so I looked at it, I was making tons of money, big, big pay cut, but I thought, what an incredible opportunity to work with someone like Mark Victor Hansen, right? That was a pivotal life-changing time in my business career and opened up a whole new world for me that brought me into really kind of where I am today. I'm so glad you mentioned Mark because he's had a phenomenal impact on me as well. I've only known him now since September. So it's been where we're recording today, about seven months. But since that seven months, he, he introduced me to you and he texted me. He said, you've got to meet Preston. He's amazing. I actually thought for some reason he said to me that Preston's my son. It may have been he's like a son to me. Um, well, no, no, I'll tell you more. So there's depth to that. So we had a relationship. So my mom married Mark. So my mom is actually Crystal Hansen. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, great. Well, I met her. Okay. So I had this whole business journey before I even really met Mark and Mark came into my life. And then before they were married, Mark was my client. Now we are actually family. It's interesting how, you know, the world works. That's manifestation in its truest form. If you really go back into the long story, you know, creating a life, but yeah, that's how it happened. So we're connected on multiple levels. We started that business journey together with a couple other partners in the energy business and then had a successful exit in 2019. Since then, I've just been building, my focus is build people and companies. And working with Mark, that was the most incredible thing because I got brought onto these huge stages. Mark spoke to over 7 million people live. It was just thinking that a lot wow. of people have done that online, right? But no, this is like on stage, face to face over 7 million people live. 
he's impacted so many people. So being around someone who's impacted so many people, I always tell people, you need to surround yourself with amazing people. It's like the old Charlie Tremendous Jones quote, you'd be the same person you are in five years from today, except for the books you read and the five people you hang around with the most. I couldn't agree more. I applied that. I tested that in my life. I've had different levels of success. I lived all spectrums. I've had no money. I've had to get through stuff on my own. And I've had amazing, amazing success in my own career too. So I've seen all these different things, but that's what brings me to who I am today. You know, it's not where you're at. That's what's important. It's not where you're at today. Wherever you are today in your life, it doesn't mean anything about who you are. It doesn't mean anything about your potential. And we as people can be amazing creators in any moment, any second in life. So my whole business journey has led me as a person to evolve to a deep understanding of that. What I want to be is that next generation, right, of people like Mark Victor Hansen to help people, to uplift people, to change people's lives. That's what you're doing on your front, too. And we're doing it on a way I'll never be Mark. Mark's his own person, but I'm my own person, but carrying the mission forward to impact humanity. So Mark's mission was to make the world work for 100% of humanity. I want to carry that on, carry that legacy. So the things that I do align with that. And then, you know, my personal focus is building people and companies. So I have 21 companies now that all hub around doing something involved in that. 21 companies that all are impacting the world, building people. I wonder what's hard for you, like in running 21 or being a part of 21 companies? What's the challenge for you, Preston? Oh, challenge for me. Well, it is, you know, just having the level of contact I want to have with everyone. I really value meaningful connections. I'm not a big social media person. It's a necessary evil of today, I believe, but because everyone's on it. But connections on social media are not being connected. Very different things. And likes on social media doesn't fulfill a human liking you or loving you too. And there's been a gap, I think, in people's life. But yeah, I forgot where I was going with that. But yeah, it's all about creating meaningful, valuable connections in life. That's what makes life happen. That's hard. I have a similar challenge. The level of meaningful contact that I want to have with people. And I have four companies. You have 21. Yeah. And I know you're not just saying that just to flex it, but this is a real legitimate challenge. You want to have meaningful contact with people in a variety of different places. How do you go about working on that or solving that challenge? The way you think. Yeah, well, that's why every single thing that I focus on now in business is to create spaces for that. So I focus on automation. I focus on client management. I focus on building teams to deal with people. My theme for last year was touchless processing. I'm kind of evolving that more into the AI adoption for this year because AI is happening. If you're in business and you're not thinking about how to incorporate AI in your business today, you will be passed in the next five years. Your competition will blow you out of the water. They'll reach more people. They'll engage with people. They'll outpace you because that's part of our business world. So how do I use these tools, right? Because we live in a superficial world like this social media world. So how do I use the tools to get people real people that I want to talk to, people I can help, people I can benefit and bless their lives, or that they can bless my life because it's all cooperative together. 
even my clients, I love them all, but they bless my life. But you know, how do I use those tools or systems or things to get through all this stuff so I can spend time with incredible people like you? Like you and I are here and we're talking and we're creating things in the world right now. And this is the stuff that matters. It's a, like the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule. There's 80% of your business that's necessary to be in business, but it's just a bunch of fluff that wastes your time and doesn't actually create high value in the world. It's looking at emails. It's creating a social media post. It's you know responding and managing all the different things. So, that's what I hyper-focus on, how to surround myself with people that can help me accomplish what I'm trying to do, and then streamline, automate, and systematize every single thing so that I can focus on these interactions, the human interactions, the real deep you know, connections. And I think that's the biggest challenge. I mean, compartmentalizing all that and then getting all my partners to work with me and align with that. It's amazing. And like I said, I can't do it alone. I surround myself with amazing people. So. i just want you to know this so far in our conversation has been worth the price of admission just investing the time because i've already learned something i'm going to take back and use immediately i've only just begun the ai journey and have not made proactive time to go and study it or figure out what's the best way or, or what might be the way that could serve me so you have already been at least a year or at least this year maybe a year and a half you've been into the ai space if you're talking to someone out there who has heard the term but they haven't done it yet or even tried it, how would you direct us to get started? Is there a place? Is there an app? How do we even get started yeah. in this, Preston? Well, yeah, the, I mean, the big buzzword right now is chat GPT. And if you can get into it, open AI, open.ai, you can go get chat GPT and test it and try it. You can try it for free. You can sign up for it for like only 20 bucks right now. I've got it. The new GPT-4 is a new technology. But basically what that means, GPT-3, is they took all the words, they analyzed trillions of words, and it's a comparative algorithm of how those words relate. So essentially, it's an understanding of human language, and it's a machine understanding of human language. And that machine, by looking at trillions of words and how those words correlate to each other, understands the meaning of those words. And it's the same way we kind of learn language. We're way faster as humans now that AI is computing faster, who knows? It's understanding that that correlation, which is interesting, it's different, but it has its value because it can compute things. Now, when I initially was looking at AI, I, I was thinking it of as a replacement of like words and things like, because, uh, okay, words, it analyzes text, right? And so I go, okay, it's going to write emails, it's going to write content. Is it going to write as good as me? Is it going to represent me? Is it going to do well, right? And that's a lot of the relationship people are having with AI right now. I want to expand my thought of how do I expand it beyond words, right? Well, the same tool, ChatGPT, how do I look at it beyond a language assistance? How do I look at it as an employee? How do I look at it as a resource? How do I look at it as a tool to accomplish things? I have a friend, his name's Paul Allen, and he's the founder of Ancestry.com and a big company, huge multi-billion dollar company, connected all the DNA and all the history of gene of people in the world. I mean, and big project, but he's got a new company called Soar. It's an AI technology of connecting videos and cool things, conscious content and stuff. But he said, I used ChatGPT to run a financial forecast for my company today. What? Now, now, what? So, 
they, and then you go, okay, that's how you start thinking. All right, how do I use this? And so what he did is he said, run an algorithm, put it in a CSV file and do it this way and this way and base it off of this much sales with a 5% monthly increase. And he put in all these instructions into the question and then it put out an Excel sheet for the next year. He has financial thing done in 30 seconds for the financial report, for the projections for the company. You think of it like this and you go, okay, how do I use it? So what I've been doing is brainstorming with people. So I just get people together and I brainstorm. I go, how can we use AI to do it in a way that I'm not thinking of? Because I'm not, I'm a pretty smart guy, but I don't think of everything. I'm trying to resource and pull people around me to go, hey, how do I, so I've hosted a couple of different things where I've had like 10, 20 business owners together and I pull up chat GPT and we get on it on the computer and we brainstorm and we ask the questions. And that's a lot of fun because what we need to look at is how we can be using this as a tool because it's an evolving landscape. And I have got into the development side of things. I've got my first product actually coming out that's fully automated here in about two weeks called Posting Parties. It's going to be really cool. It's not live yet, but it will be maybe by the time people hear this, postingparties.com. Postingparties.com. Okay. Okay. Got it. But yeah, so it is coordinating people to do their own social media kind of thing. But we can use these tools, but you go, how do we use it? So I'm using it as an assistant to organize things. So I'll go ask it, like, what are 20 killer headlines of emails that I can use to write for this topic? And then it'll give me 20 emails. And now I'll say, all right, write me an email based off of this topic or write me 20 emails based off of this topic. You can get the same thing done in the same question, multitask in one question. Mm. So you start to think, how can I expand you know, that kind of stuff? I was sitting there with a client we're going through. She's like, I don't like the copy on the website right there on Zoom. What are the content ideas? It spits out 20 things. Yeah, she's like, I like that one, that one, that one. Put it on the website, done. So how do I multiply what I'm trying to do? You know, how do I use it as a tool as it integrates more it's just going to go crazy through the roof with what's possible wow amazing this little segment right here has been i'm sure it's going to be incredibly helpful to help people see that they can use this to their advantage to get back some time so they can focus more meaningful conversations or connections with people that's what i want to do there's this perception out there that it's going to take a lot of people's jobs. And I don't view it that way. I view it as a way that I can get back time to connect more. That's all I want to do is connect more people like you're talking about. So I appreciate the frame here on this. That's one thing too, that's really interesting. I don't think people are talking about that you mentioned, kind of, without mentioning, is what is the future value of content creation, right? What is the future value of these things if AI can do it? And it's a big question. So what's the value of a book? I can go write a book on ChatGPT. I own a publishing company. I'm heavily invested in books. I love books. So what is the value of the future of this stuff, the landscape, right? And what you're saying, taking away jobs and this type of thing. People need to rethink. Don't fight for the job that AI is going to take over. You're going to get smashed. Use it as a leverage tool to create what's going to be meaningful in the future. Human relationship. Authenticity vulnerability, and real connection. Because if we live in a world, I'm getting a little nerdy now, quantum growth, like the idea of that is having everything accessible to you in an instant, which is almost where we're going, right? All the information, everything in the world. And so if you have all the information that you need, what matters is the relationship. 
And what matters is you being a person of integrity, you being a person of authenticity, you being a person who's real and connectable because we can sort out all the rest with these tools that are coming. Yeah, totally connected with you on this one. Yeah, I love it. It all gets back to, at the end of the day, machines can do so much. They can help us so much, but they're not going to be able to replace love. They're not going to be able to replace personal connection with people, intimacy with people. I'm 100% on board with what you're sharing. You've given some good questions, some good framework that we might be able to explore in using these. So for those who are scared around the bench or don't know what to do or just haven't thought about it because it's not here yet. Well, yes, it is here and you can use it to your advantage to get back time is the way I would think about it, to scale a business, to automate a business so that we can connect more with people. As you're speaking, what I'm thinking is I don't have much of a social media presence because I don't want to take the time to do it. I don't want to pay someone to go and do that. So I'm not taking away jobs if I use chat GPT to go and create some social media posts. I'm helping to drive more people possibly to this mission of eternal optimism. So I could see it as an advantage for playing offense for humanity. You know, not as taken away from humanity. So I like your frame. I like the frame. Yeah, it's interesting to think about. <laughs> yeah. So I'd love to go next on our show. We normally talk about you know what's something that's hard or a challenge you've overcome. What's something that you're striving for? I'd love to go back and, and just keep going off of you because I have just found so much energy and creativity from you, Preston. So I'd love to ask you what inspired the shirt you're wearing today. For those of you who can't see it, Preston has this amazing shirt. It's a giant smiley face. He's got that jacket on like an entrepreneur, but he's got a giant smiley face on his shirt. And it's just making me, I just can't help but smile. Why that as the wardrobe? <laughs> Thank you. I'm actually in the middle of, I haven't announced yet, but you know, writing a book about happiness because it's, for me, my passion project is my company, Formula EQ. And EQ is the emotional intelligence, emotional quotient. Everyone's heard of IQ, right? Einstein, genius, IQ, well, EQ, same thing, but it's emotional ability to show up the way that you want to show up. That's how I view it is we all have things that we go through. And on the human experience, people focus too much in the world on what drives us apart. They focus on the differences, but is they focus on politics, income, gender, religion, physical location, all these different things, and they create dividers. But when you look at the human experience, the human experience is the exact same. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you live, doesn't matter what you believe, doesn't matter how you're raised. We all go through things in life and we have a feeling that we create. And every human on the planet feels sadness. They feel happiness. They feel joy. They feel love. They feel excitement. Now, all these things. And that's what's common with the human experience. And the details change. All the details are different. But the way that we actually live it, the way that we actually feel it and experience it is the exact same. What I've learned through a bunch of different things is it's the connection that we create into these things. And so why I wear a smiley face on my shirt is because I very, very intentionally choose to live happy. Every second of my life, I freaking love it. I wake up like it's Christmas morning every day because I realized there's no reason not to. And also, there's nothing holding me back from experiencing that life every single day except myself because I'm the only one that actually allows myself to smile. I'm the only one that actually allows myself to associate something I go through in the world with me being happy. 
So it's very important. So I teach people to be happy. I teach people how to gain that back in their life because there's no reason not to. For me, it's a measurement of living in an emotion that you don't want to be in. If you're sad, if you're mad, if you're frustrated, if you're depressed, or if you're in any state that you don't want to be in, your measurement tool is how long you're there. If someone cuts you off in traffic and you're pissed off for two days about it, you've got to get But if someone cuts you off in traffic and you go, that person's probably having a really tough day, or maybe they're late, or maybe they have an emergency in their life. I send them my love. Oh, wow. So, oh, so instantaneously, you are thinking from their perspective and just being empathetic and, and loving towards whoever, if it's that example that wronged you, you're not dwelling on it. You have learned how to decrease that window that you dwell on that, you might call the negative emotion, to just like that. They could be having a tough day. Send love their way. Wow. How? how what, wow. Yeah, because it's hanging on to that because we haven't let life, the ABCDs of life, between the B and the D is the C. It's a choice. You know, we have the choice in life and our emotions are the same. It all comes down to that connection. We have a process I teach people, but I teach people subconscious programming too. Because we have these things that we've learned our whole life where we like got up on stage in elementary school and all the kids laughed at you and made fun of you because you tripped or something. And so now this adult that's 55 years old goes, I'm not a person who can speak on stage. I'm not a person who feels confident. I'm not. And then they go into a situation where they have to do that and then they feel stress and then they feel anxiety and then they don't show up. Or then they go, oh, I've got an opportunity, but they limit their life because they don't believe that they can do it. These are the spaces that this shows up as in the real world. Or these things like, I don't feel successful until I make a certain amount of money. Or I've worked with some of the most successful people. Like I was saying, I've been at the top and the bottom my whole life. I know many billionaires and I know many people who have been homeless. And I've gone all around the world and I've seen these people, I've seen billionaires depressed that want to kill themselves. I've, had that. I've literally talked them out of suicide multiple times that's kind of in this space. I have a whole thing called the Save Lives Project. It's not money, right? Because they have a billion dollars. If a billion dollars is success or happiness, then it's man, right? It's you believing that you're a success. Mm. And I've literally been on the phone with CEOs I've coached before and they're making tons of money and they had a belief because their mom told them that they're not a family, it's going to be successful. And they're still trying to be successful. I'm like, dude, you're in the top one, 2% of the world. You realize that? They had never realized that until I told them that. Mm. Sometimes it's the things that we can't see. That's why happiness is big for me, because I want everyone to be happy. There's no reason not to. It's difficult for me to not be happy around you. I just love the energy. It makes me want to smile all the time, and I appreciate you for that. And now, a break forward from our sponsor. Today's sponsor of the Eternal Optimist podcast is Eternal Optimism. What is Eternal Optimism? It's a lens by which we view the world through positive and the challenges that come up are there for us, to teach us, to guide us, to help us learn. Anything that happens, we can overcome. Anything that happens, we can learn from it. Anything that happens, we can use to our advantage. We are prepared as eternal optimists to see things through that lens and to learn and embrace the challenges that come our way. And when we do this, we know an inner peace 
unlike any other. That's what eternal optimism is. It's inner peace playing offense for humanity. Let that settle in, my friends, because it's our mission to help the world, to impact others, to bring a positive, radiant light where it's dark. We can do this. Let's spread hope. Let's do it together as eternal optimists. Now back to the show. I wonder, was there a moment or an experience that was hard for you where you realized that your recovery time or your measurement time, you were stuck, you were in your feelings, you were in in a hard spot. Is there a specific place that was challenging for you that you learned to overcome using this method? Yeah. So I've learned from all the experts. I've been an obsessed I've followed Mark since before I ever knew him. I had all his tapes, his books, Tony Robbins. I flew to Tony Robbins when I was 16 years old. I walked on pole, you know, in Atlanta. <laughs> uh, now, I've been an obsessive studier of these people and these thoughts my whole life. Ever since I was two, I've literally studied thought. But when I was going through my entrepreneurial journey, I built up a big business. I was rocking it. I had tons of employees. I had two locations. And I was the number one independent car buyer in the Intermountain West, just rocking it. And I had a company who was financing one of my lots, get acquired. And basically all this stuff happened. And the short story is they called it a huge note due. It was like a million and a half due immediately because they didn't want to work with me because of this other competitor thing. My hindsight looking at it now, I could have probably done something and sued them, but that would have been a waste of time. But what it did when I was going through that as a business owner, this was my baby. This is my life. I built a whole brand by myself. I was known in the community as an expert for this. And all of a sudden, this is blowing up. And I've got 36 employees I've got fired. These are my family. These are my friends. These are the people that trusted me. It made me question who I was. It made me question my life. It made me question when we go through those things because I made a fatal mistake. And this was the key thing I learned. The business was failing. I thought that I was a failure and I was wrong. I was completely wrong and I was lying to myself because the business went through a situation and it failed. That's true. But I was an amazing creator. I was someone who could start with 1600 bucks and build a company that does over $63 million a year in sales. Mm. I was someone who could employ my community. I was someone who could fulfill the needs of people. I was someone who could create amazing value in the world. And all of a sudden, I realized this. And I was able to get back up. I started nine more car dealerships. And I made more money than I'd ever made. Realizing the difference between the failure and me. And understanding that. And really compartmentalizing the two. To go, okay, yeah. Things fail in life, but I'm not a failure as a person. I'm actually an amazing person. People love me. And when I go back and I look at my employees, when I told them, hey, we're going to have to close, you know, I'm going to run out of money in two days. Every single one of them said, Preston, we don't need pay. We'll do anything you ask us to do. We'll stand by you this whole time. Wow. And that, looking back on I couldn't see it at the time. I couldn't see the value of myself. And when we don't see the value of ourselves, we get defeated by the things that happen in life. And I could have been depressed and I could have become a loser. I could have been suicidal. I could have killed myself. I could be an alcoholic. I could be a drug addict, anything. Mm. But when we can recognize these and separate that, there are challenges in life, but we're amazing people. And in any second, the past doesn't predict the future. We can create, we're creators. And the fear of the future and the fear of the past limit us 
from being everything that we can be. And so I had a fear of the past because I failed and it was stopping me from going to the future. And I realized, no, that was a situation that the business failed, which I can A, learn from and B, come back as a more powerful business person. And I recognized that and I did. And I've just fallen through the roof since then. Got it. So you took that incredibly painful moment, snapshot in time, you were able to detach from, I'm not a failure, the business was a failure in this moment in time, that doesn't make me a failure. You were able to learn that and do that and then take learning lessons and go back and do it again, but this time do it better and bigger. What was the lesson? Was it a technical lesson about finance or was it about the size and the rapidness of scaling? Like, is there a business nugget that we might be able to understand in on all of this? Back then, you know, I was a stubborn entrepreneur trying to do stuff on my own. You know, and so I was trying to <laughs> yeah. things out and, and I was paying the cost, right, to learn these mistakes. And that's why I can help people a lot better now because I've done it and I've paid the mistakes and made the mistakes. I was going through a growth time. I was stretched and I knew it at the time. So there's times in my business where we were a little heavy leveraged and we're expanding. I was going through phases of growth and then growth stabilization. And that's what I was doing. And so we were growing. I bought a new location, bought all this new stuff, blah, 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 you know, blowing up. So we were over leveraged, which put me in a pressure situation. Actually, it was unfair what they did do and it was probably illegal and my attorney came back and said I could sue them you know for what had happened and so I probably could have rectified that but at that point I had just decided to move past it I didn't want to do it looking at you know de-risking things you know I look at that now my lesson from that on the business lesson side on human lesson side was the biggest part of that but on the business lesson side of things, well, that, that's why I'm out of the car business because the margins on the car business go you know, down to nothing. I went from a business where people literally wrote down the price and they stuck it in the window and they parked the car at the busiest corner they could find and they got phone calls and they sold their car to every person having every car in the country in their pocket with the values and the history report. So it takes every idiot that really, I'm not to say that meanly, I just, a lot of people don't know a lot about cars and they think they're experts. Yeah, I'm one of those, by the way. I don't know much about car. I can't change my own oil. I don't drive stick yeah. easily. So yeah. <laughs> please don't shame yeah. me, but I get it. I get it. I, I would be you one of those people. I, I don't get it. This is every person and they're comping cars in Florida with me you know, in Utah or whatever, and they're not understanding the differences. And so it just sucked the margins out of the whole car business. It basically mm. do that. The whole thing did. For me, the capital outlay is terrible for the return, personally. That's why I'm not in the car business. We got to big money. And we did financing, back-end, upsells, and the car sales. And all the margins on every part of that business have gone. And so now I focus on not having capital-intensive products. I sell IP and digital assets and training. I make massive profit margins and I make a lot of money, but also I have a lot of reach and high impact. I have global companies now, not localized companies, because I have infinite scalability. I got rid of the dead weight. That was one thing and got out of the scope of the crosshairs because when you're in business, you've got liability. So repositioning everything, you know, as far as how I am involved in what I do 
and what was also a big learning takeaway from that. You've said some amazing things. I want to go back to two things in particular. The first, you just said a moment ago, you just used the phrase infinite scalability. I've never heard that specific phrase before. Can you just rant on that for a minute? What does infinite scalability mean to you? Yeah, like infinite scalability. Well, it's like just like what I mentioned, say, with this posting parties. So what I'm doing, I'm not a big fan of the social media, but also it's a necessary thing, right? So people need to be found and make connections. And I try to bring social media in. I'm developing this company where it's an infinitely scalable company. It's an AI tool that coordinates 15 to 20 people to show up together and to do a post on LinkedIn. Everyone shows up to a meeting. They pick the time to come to the meeting. They show up to the meeting. It's all automated. They submit their post at a scheduled time. The whole thing's coordinated. All the posts are collected and then they're redistributed to everyone in the party and then everyone likes or comments each other's posts. So it's organic social media growth, right? Infinite scalability. It's digital. It's online. It doesn't involve me in it. It can be global. There's no borders to it. There's no product delivery. It's all systematized too. So actually, there's no man hours involved in checking the stuff. So if I have one people or 10 people or 100,000 people register, as long as we just have the calendar position set up, it's infinite scalability, right? Wow. And so we can handle you know, tons of people. That's the kind of thing to go, okay, how do I break down barriers? How do I break down supply chain? How do I break down time constraints? And how do I break down product delivery? If you can do those things into... A formula, I never actually broke it, an infinite scalability formula down, but if I did, it would look something like that to break down the barriers that are stops. And financing, we don't need financing for products. Like if I'm a car dealership, I got to buy cars next week. I sell my car, I got to buy another car. If I'm a manufacturer, I got to make a car. If I'm you know, a real estate agent, I got to find another house. How do you do something that you can create value in the world? Because everything in entrepreneurship, everything is value. We're solution creators. The poet Larry said, what the world needs now is problem solvers galore. Because each problem we create makes 10 problems more. And, mm. and it's true. It's infinitely things that we can solve. A lot of people are like, oh, well, all the problems have been solved. No, we just had a whole new landscape of opportunity opening up when there's crisis there's opportunity we can look at that and provide solutions and if we can create solutions that you can do without those pieces that stop you from distributing it infinitely then yeah you can you have an infinitely scalable business thank you i think that one of the things i appreciate about you that I didn't know coming into our conversation is that you think in terms of questions that are really expansive, limitless questions. And I've taken a few notes today. I mean, what the world needs now, I love the problem solvers galore quote, I'm kind of fixated on that. But behind that, how do I break down time constraints? How do I break down barriers that are taking away my time? How do I break down barriers? You've done this a number of times throughout our, our discussion. So I appreciate that. I'd like to take you back to something. You just said something really briefly. You said the words Save Lives Project. Can you elaborate? What is the Save Lives Project for you, Preston? That's something I got involved in just to help with suicide awareness. And it's mainly I get involved in it during September, which is Suicide Awareness Month. But Save Lives Project 
it's one of those things that I believe in helping fight or stop, especially now the world's gone through so much. There's so many pressures on people. If people are killing themselves, it's worse than any disease or pandemic. You know, the, the numbers are increasing. It's almost 3,000 people a day. It's crazy. You know, so if you run that time where you've been listening to this phone call, there's been many people that commit suicide. And it's not fun to think about, but the reason why is because I bring up ideas and awareness to help people to have conversations to save people's lives. And I also bring in resources of other people who care. So I have a domain, SaveLivesProject.com. If you have suicide resources, you can register there on the back end and we'll reach out. And I put on events through September to create awareness to help save lives for suicide because the biggest thing, and I'll just say this as a tip, if anyone ever has someone out there that's in need, if you want to help someone who's threatening their life, people need to be heard. That's it. When you break it down into one thing, if I can tell you one thing, people need to be heard, not listened to, but heard. They need to feel heard. People that tend to go that direction on some level in their life don't feel heard. By not feeling heard, they don't feel they have hope. They don't feel like anyone cares about them and they don't feel like they have a future. You know, I can give you one tool to save a life is to help people be heard. Awesome. SaveLivesProject.com. I'll put that in the show notes, listeners. So thank you for sharing that. And just thank you for sharing that mission. That's a mission. We didn't expect to hear that, but it certainly warms the heart to think that outside of all the business stuff and the driving forward, there's this huge heart you have and it's towards saving lives and helping people move away from a place where it's all digital, it's all stuck in likes and social media, and it's back to connection. And I'd love to bring us back full circle, talk about Formula EQ. I mean, you mentioned the name, you talked a little bit about it. How might we find out more about Formula EQ? And just tell us more about your programs with your coaching organization, Preston. Formula EQ is a global community. My business partner's in London. He's amazing. His name's Eldon Hopsa. He's like one of the top coaches in London, and he's an amazing meditation and breathing expert, too. So he's the one that leads all of our guided meditations and things like that, because he's got the cool accent to listen to and stuff like that. We get together every single week, and we create a space for people to recenter in life. I designed it. We don't talk about religion, and I don't get into religion, but I look at religion as a model, right? And to go, okay, people go to church every single week. They go to church every single Sunday. People that do that, right? But there's a reason why. And it's because challenges keep happening in life. Life keeps happening. I do these events with these amazing people like Mark, and we go and we inspire people. And then 30 days later, only 10% of them are executing, right? Or whatever, you know, there's this attrition rate. So I go, why is that? Well, the reason why church works is because Life keeps happening and they come back to a place where they can recenter and think and take the time. So what I've done is create a space where people can go. We meet online every single Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. It's a global community. They can sign up at formulaeq.com. It's a hundred bucks a month. It's super high value. New lessons every single week with coaching. And we go deep. We get really intimate, personal, we create a safe space. All people in the community just freaking love each other. It's something about subconscious programming, gratitude, breathing exercise, meditation, the law of attraction, communication, listening, uh, relationships, all that stuff. So we do a new topic every single week. So we have 50 topics a year. 
of live lessons. I have a whole online academy with over 100 hours of training online. We have guided meditations, breathing exercises, different things for people to get supported through the day on their own. So they have a support system, a support team, and then they can come back if they're available on Friday and they've got a community and they can get a new lesson. We do the lesson and then we do live Q&A. So people put it on the ground. And it's about half half, about 40 minutes of lesson, about 40 minutes of Q&A. We stay until people quit asking questions because we're there to make an impact. You're going to know me, but I really, really care about helping people. Every single thing I do or I get involved in, I really have fearless heart leader and I'm raw and I'm authentic and I change people's lives and I get on the ground. So it's an amazing, amazing community. The idea is to join us for a year and have a support team. This stuff that people have transformed in their life is way beyond my ask or measure. All the members in the community, you just ask any of them and they'll tell you all the same thing. It's insane. I mean, it's stuff I can't even claim because YouTube would probably shadow ban you from saying the stuff that people have claimed in my academy, that the stuff that they've learned, they've overcome in their life. Wow. Wow. So formulaeq.com is where we can find out more. Friday mornings at 8 o'clock Pacific, you and Elvis are just teaching and leading. Elvin, yeah. Elvin, El, you El, Elvis. You and Elvin are He's leading. No suede shoes or anything like that. <laughs> nice. Does Elvin have as amazing hair as you do? Yeah, El, no, I, he's got normal hair. You know, I, I have spiked hair. It, it's funny. Every time everyone meets me and they see me on Zoom, they're like, wow, you're really tall. I got home pretty tall. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Well, I wanted to break it up and ask something fun or different. So I'm curious, have you always had the spiky hair? Because I think everything about you is very endearing. But I wonder, are you the one hairstyle for life guy? Or how long have you had this? Because it's amazing. It's like a big Samson lion's mane of just amazing hair. Uh, So how long have you had that? (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I've done it for a while. You know, my whole life, I've probably had my hair in literally about every single thing you could possibly imagine. <laughs> I had long hair, short hair, shaved hair, every color of hair, mohawk hair, up, down, white, black, brown, all the things. I used to be an extreme sports guy. That's kind of where I get my spiky hair. Wow. So I like going fast and jumping off things. I race cars now, so it's a little safer than what I used to. Right? A little safer? What? Man, <laughs> you extreme sports people. I got a friend who does these, like you see the bikes, they go really fast, their knees touch the ground, and they take corners. Like I got a friend who does that. It just, it terrifies me to see that. Have you done those things before? <laughs> yeah, I've done that. I've run sport bikes. I don't do that anymore because I got kids. I don't want to die. That's why I stick with cars because the sport bikes are dangerous, especially on the street. You know, because it's not you. I'm a very good rider. It's other people that you they don't see. All that stuff is just fun. I love it. What's the fastest you've ever been on wheels? You know, that's a good question. I know on the track, I've hit 165 coming into a corner, which is pretty quick. And when you come into a corner, you're on a straightaway, you have brake markers. So it's like four, three, two, one, corner. And they're little signs. And you judge where you brake based on those. So I break it about two and a half coming into the corner at that speed. But when you're going 165, the distance between two and a half and one is a fraction. And then you're in a 180 degree turn. If you miss it, you're in a wall. You just wrecked a very expensive car. So <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, have you ever hit the wall before? Never hit the wall. 
before. Whoa! Wow! Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's amazing. Well, let's move to the wrap-up portion here. You've been amazing. You've shared a number of great stories today. I have three questions I'd like to wrap up on. One of them is around our name, Eternal Optimist Podcast. So when I say Eternal Optimist, what is Eternal Optimist, Eternal Optimism? What does that mean to you? I love it. I'm glad that this is one of your questions because I was actually thinking about the Eternal Optimist as it popped into my calendar today. And I thought, oh, what a cool name. Because yeah. Eternal, to me, is something bigger than yourself. And a lot of people have a little bit different views on what that looks like. But for me, it's something that's also beyond your life. It's beyond what's physical today. It's perpetual. Eternal means that what we create in this world also goes beyond us and also goes beyond what our perception of this world is. An optimist is your mission. It's your mission to create positivity to create optimism eternally in the world. So I love that because that's what you're doing. Our voice goes on past its energy. Ideas, thought, thought creates real things in the world. Like thought is, people think of it as esoteric and it's not physical. Thought's physical. There's physical electrons firing in my brain right now as I think of these things. And that has an effect beyond me because it affects you. My energy, it changes you some, on some level. The way I communicate, those thoughts that are firing are changing as they're changing my environment. I could get into that deeper too, like this phone can call you right now, but that means that we're connected, right? If this phone can call your phone right now, that means that somehow in time and space right now, we're connected. I believe that this phone is not the only thing that can do that. And I think that I can do that. And so I think that what we create in the world, our thoughts, our creation, and what we create in the world carries out to the world. We need to create optimism. We need to create positivity. We need to create smiles. We need to create love. Because when we create that, it carries on eternally. And it affects generations and affects things that we can't see today. So that's it's me. Exceptional answer, my friend. Exceptional answer. Thank you. That was awesome. If there were one to three books that have had an impact on you, what might those one to three books be that you'd recommend that have impacted you? Well, ones that really launched me in my business on scaling, I love the four-hour work week. I turned the four-hour work week and I combined Grant Cardone's 10X and I make a 400-hour work week. That's my theory. It's like, I don't want to sit around for the rest of the week. I like doing what I do. So I'm going to make a 400-hour work week. Uh, so I like, I like the four-hour work week it got me to think about expanding and getting a time back on some of those things. Also, another business book, too, combining that with the E-Myth, the old Michael Gerber E-Myth book. I was going through my business back when I was running my car dealerships by myself, basically, and I had no coaches, no thing. I paid for all my mistakes. I read E-Myth, and I went, oh, crap. I just built the whole company. I'm the company. Because the biggest mistake people make is they build a job not a business. Yes. Yes. And so that book taught me that I built a job for myself, a very successful job, but I built a job. And I started to re-engineer and I go, okay, now I got to systematize the whole thing, which led me to a lot of what I do today, systematizing businesses. So. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Last question. Last question. I've asked you about eternal optimism. I've asked you about books. If there is a song or a movie that inspires you, 
what might a song or a movie be? Something visual or audio that inspires mm. you? Yeah. So I'm not as big in movies and I'm a terrible movie quoter, but I'm a major, major music person. I love, 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 love music and listen to it all the time and have made a playlist. I was a kid in high school who had over 3,000 CDs back when they oh. had these. And then someone broke in my car and stole my stereo system. My stereo was worth more than my car. So yeah, music is it for me because, <laughs> because we're music, we're rhythm. You got to be you know, pulsing through you at all times and your heart's beating, your brain waves create a rhythm, your electronic pulses and everything create a rhythm. I love connecting, but I, I don't know if I can have one. If I say one musician, I know you get, I give long answers. So you're like, hey, all right. Just answer the question. No, I'm, I'm, I'm curious because I'm trying to help music empower me to feel, to have more emotional connection to others. So I love where you're going. Take your time. I use music all the time through different times. So when I work, if I have to do writing, I'll put on beats because I can't write if there's lyrics in the song. So I'll put on electronic music through my work day. I love instrumental jazz. Miles mm. Davis, Dizzy Gillespie. I mean, I freaking love instrumental jazz. And not a lot of people who are 41 years old love jazz, but I do. So that's one where it's like my creative space. And there's a song called Salt Peanuts. That's really awesome. And it's super raw, raw jazz. Having those chill, you know, relaxing times too, to find that thing that clicks with you. And last, that's not a song, but I use binaural beats, which are tones that are in frequencies. And you can get frequencies like alpha, beta, you know, gamma, and they're tonal frequencies. And I use those during my meditations. And I take the AirPods and I put them in and I put in a frequency. Or when you're working too, if you want to be in a creative space, find a binaural beat that gets you in a creative frequency and just plug it in your ears. And it's like, ooh, it's like, it's like kind of an annoying tone if you think of it that way. But it's a frequency that changes your mind state. It changes that physical state because we are physical beating, we have pulses and things like that. And so you can use that as a tool. I use it as a tool to meditate sometimes or to do work or when I go on a walk around the neighborhood. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Preston, dude, you're the best. This has been great today. You got my energy up and I feel great. And I'm gonna I'm gonna show something on the camera here that the listeners won't be able to hear, but if you're on YouTube, you can see it. You have a smiley face for sure. I carry a smiley face with me everywhere I go. Not when I'm showering, but I have this with me everywhere I go, the airport at the Phoenix Open, when I met Mark and Crystal, everywhere I go, I have it. Oh, you got a big heart. Oh <laughs> nice. Got my nice. Heart. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Well, dude, you've been great. I look forward to uh, sharing everything that you've shared with us today and just appreciate you. Love you, man. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate you for being the eternal optimist. Thanks for having me. I love you, brother. Amazing things we're going to create in the world. And thank you for listening out there. I appreciate you because whoever listened all the way to this point, you're an exceptional person. You're doing things that other people are not doing in the world. And I commend you and I applaud you and I love you. Thanks for listening to the Eternal Optimist podcast. You can check the show notes for information about today's episode. And please share the show with that friend who is wanting to think bigger. We'll see you next time.